Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. If you suffer from anxiety, depression, or an autoimmune disease, this episode is for you. Follow along as Christina and Tess, hosts of Authentically Wild, dive into a deeper understanding of dis-ease and what your body might be trying to communicate with you. Get to know our perspective on the balance between Western medicine, holistic health, and of course, self-responsibility. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey. It's very energetic for this sunny day. Thank you. Feeling a lot of sun <laughs> in my life these days. Hey, you're glowing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's spring is in the air. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so um, I'm really, I'm really excited to dive into this topic because it's so interesting. You know, we always talk about how we tend to have such different journeys with things. And when it comes to this topic of disease or dis-ease, when it shows up in our body, you and I really have had polarizing experiences. Although in talking about it, we realize that it essentially is communicating the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm excited to tap into this topic, not only I think to help others see maybe what their bodies are communicating to them, but also you know, this theme that, that really feels like it's coming through of like the mind body connection, you know, and that it's all connected. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think we have a belief that we operate in isolation of our environment or Mm. the things we put into our bodies when that couldn't be farther from the truth. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm super excited to dive into this too. I feel I've made a really big shift in my sort of outlook on my body, my health, all of those things, which is so different um, than than what it was in the past when I really was struggling with, you know, my disease diagnosis and all of the things I went through in sort of like young adolescence um, while I was trying to get a, a, a diagnostic understanding of what was wrong with my body and doing my own research and having my own understanding through my own experience of multiple decades to be like, wow. And now seeing just so many other women, especially struggling in, in this space. And, and just, I think this episode is gonna, it's gonna be hit out of the park. And I hope people really take a lot out of it that hopefully can help them on their journeys. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and, you know, you're curious around what this topic is about, what this topic is all about. Tess and I, in terms of what we're going to go over today, we're really going to look at disease or dis-ease and when it shows up in our body, what might that mean? What is it communicating to us? We're going to talk a little bit around our journeys on and off medication in different forms. And then we're hoping to end this piece or this conversation with different remedies that we can be using aside from medication to support ourselves when this dis-ease shows up. Um, But really to start off this conversation, I think that it's important to note the history of what it has looked like to support disease when it's showing up in our body. And, you know, I think about where we are going now as a society. And I think 
we're making huge strides in terms of learning how to support ourselves holistically, mind, body, soul, heart, all of it. But this has not always been the case. And in fact, it still isn't in a lot of ways. You know, I think about when I was growing up, medicine was the answer. And I think it still is in a lot of ways. And, and this isn't to say there's anything wrong with using medicine. I think that it's so important for us to have in society. And I've also needed medicine in a lot of cases, but there becomes this tipping off point when we start to rely solely on the medicine versus using it as a supplementary support or as in an emergency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just you saying that it resonates so deep for me. I, I feel lately I've just really noticed this almost collective suffering of people and, and their health, their physical mental health, which it's all connected, right? Like, I don't think, I bet you, if we were able to survey everyone listening to this episode there, I guarantee you is not one person who doesn't have one of these ailments or medical conditions, whether that be IBS, anxiety, depression, skin issues like psoriasis or eczema, um, you know, but we all go, oh yeah, okay, I have blank, blank, blank. And oh, well, we continue on like, that's the deck I got dealt or that's the card I got dealt uh, in life. And we just, it's sort of like a life sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not that that's anyone's fault, but I think we've, we've come to the belief that, oh, it is what it is. And I just have to kind of live with it. And I just have to find out what medication works for me. And then I just continue on how I always have been. And I hope that this podcast episode creates a different frame of mind for people. Um, you know, and I might even get emotional about it because I feel there was sort of this innate knowing in me, even as a 14 year old who, you know, was in a hospital room for months and then finally got told like you have Crohn's disease Mm -hmm. and me just feeling like, okay, well, what does that mean? What are we going to do about that? Not Mm -hmm. just how am I going to live with it and suppress my symptoms of it? Like, how do we help my body? How do we support my body? Um, And it was just a constant conversation I had with the adults in my life, with the doctors in my life. And I always like, hit my head against a brick wall with it. Like there was no answer. It was just, this is what you have. You don't have control over it. You know, this is the card you got dealt. You're unlucky in this case. And yeah, there's nothing you can do to fix it. And I just hope that through this episode, we can equip people with maybe a different understanding. Like actually there is. Hmm. You know, and when I hear you say, your experience with that, with your diagnosis and your journey with trying to figure out what was going on or how to support yourself. I can't help but feel like this energy of helplessness. And that was an energy I felt many times on my journey. It actually reminds me of one appointment I had specifically with my doctor when I found out I had to get on thyroid medication when I became pregnant which I'm still on. It was also another conversation I had with my doctor when I was really contemplating getting on antidepressants. And it's this energy of, well, this is just the way it is. Mm -hmm. This is, this is your diagnosis. Almost like don't try to figure it out. 
or, or maybe even more than that, don't bother. It's, Mm -hmm. it's going to be too hard to figure Mm -hmm. this out. And I think in a society where we want a quick fix, where sometimes we don't want to do the hard work, especially if we don't know if it's going to be a certain outcome. Yeah. Taking the pill, taking the medication, not necessarily, or not only feels easier, but, but maybe also safer. Right. Yeah. And you bring up a really good point there too, because I want to preface this episode with, I think doctors are amazing. I think they are such a needed practice and professional, you know, um, sector within Western culture and all culture. I believe that they've been trained and taught by a system though that also has other ideals, which it's a for-profit business. Like pharmaceutical companies are literally the sponsors of so much research, scientific mm-hmm. research that that ends in some sort of, you know, um, different drug that they come up with that is then, you know, locked and loaded and sold for millions of dollars. I think doctors have good hearts and good intentions. I think they do want to help people, right? I think it's the system and some of the training, but there are also doctors out there who are a bit more open-minded and who do believe diet lifestyle all has an impact while also using medicine to support their patients. Uh, But also I think the other part you bring up, which isn't talked a lot about because you have two ends of the spectrum. You have people who are, you know, fully against Western medicine, they're fully holistic. And then you have the other side, which is like, food, diet doesn't matter, science-based research, medicine, you know, but we like to point the finger, both of those sides of the coin point the finger at each other. But also I think us as just human beings, we have to remember we're aiding in the system because I have so many friends who, you know, are suffering from different things. And I'll say, so are you exercising? What are you eating? What are you eating every day? You're eating malnutrient foods, right? Are you taking your health? Like, what about your stress, right? And so we don't want to do the work. A lot of us don't want to. We would rather be told, there's nothing I can do about it. Great. I just take this one little blue pill (laughs) or pink pill, whatever it is a day, and I'm fine. And you know what? A lot of people are for a while because that is what medication does. It relieves your symptoms. And thank God, like if I get gangrene in my leg or some crazy bacterial infection that, you know, is gonna take me out, I hope to God there's medication for me. I believe in medicine. However, when it is the only thing that you are using for your ailment, your disease, your illness, and you are not taking responsibility or self-accountability for any of the other things you could be doing to support your body and actually trying to figure out at the root, why is my body malfunctioning in this way? Why is it showing these symptoms? We have to ask ourselves, like, mm. I think we're part of the problem. Yeah, I, I love that. And the word that comes through very clearly hearing you say all of that is there's a balance here. There's, there's middle ground here where, you know, I think in some cases the medication is necessary. And I will talk about my experience in getting on antidepressants, which was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my whole life. Mm -hmm. In some cases it's very necessary, but it cannot be the only thing Mm -hmm. because then it becomes the quick fix. 
then it becomes the piece that we rely on. Yeah. And this isn't to shame anyone. If you're listening, you're like, oh my God, I just ate McDonald's and I haven't worked out in a year and I don't take any vitamins. Um, you know, because I remember saying to my doctor at 16 years old, shouldn't we be thinking of like a new diet for me? Like while I was on all these auto, like immune suppressant drugs, he's like, no, 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 no. And so people do get told by these professionals that we do put a lot of trust in, like, no, you're wasting your time. When I know now, get living with this disease for 20 years, that diet absolutely impacts how I feel. It absolutely impacts how my Crohn's, if it's in remission or not. Mm. And so, you know, we also like, just don't feel any shame if you're like, oh, well, I was never really told that. Most likely you weren't, but also like you have to do your own research and be open-minded and try things and see what works for your body. Because there's also not like a one size fits all, right? I feel like we're kind of skirting around the topics here, but why don't we talk a little bit around both of our journeys? Because you and I have had very different journeys when it comes to being on and off or off and on medication. And I think this is where, I mean, number one, I just love how our journeys kind of like mirror each other, but also reflect each other sometimes. But I think it's also really cool for someone who's listening, who wherever they're at, will be able to resonate in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about for me, and I'm going to talk specifically to the phase in my life, being an early mom. And then now, because I hit two very significant rock bottoms in the last five or so years. One was after I became a new mom. And the second was last year, actually just around this time. So it's been just over a year since that one. And those rock bottoms look very different in nature, although there were very similar symptoms that were coming up. And in the first one that I had, it was after, yeah, after I was a new mom, Zoe was a baby, Max was two. I've talked about this lots in other episodes, but my mental health, was just in such a bad place and everything was crashing and I had no control within myself and control was something I wanted my whole life or needed as survival. And I really, really grappled with getting on antidepressants at that time. I can now see, I'm very glad that I didn't because it actually forced me to strengthen this very important spiritual connection within me that because I had to surrender so hard, it forced me to build this trust in this Mm -hmm. higher power that I had never had before. Now, fast forward to the rock bottom I had last year, where again, mental health, really, really bad place. I had hit a really bad rock bottom. And I realized like now looking back, it was time for me to face the sexual abuse that I had experienced when I was younger, which actually hadn't surfaced until around that time. And same thing, like when, when it comes to how things show up for me, it is always mental. Like it is always intrusive thoughts, you know, at worst case scenario, suicidal thoughts. And, and so I had sort of different external conditions or internal kind of conditions going on, but the symptoms were the same. And I again grappled with the idea of antidepressants and I made the really hard decision to get on them for the first time in my life. 
And I'm just like, you know, tapping back into how hard that decision was for me. Because I think number one, there is this shame that comes up when it comes to taking antidepressants specifically. And especially for someone like myself who prided myself on being strong and I can get through anything and I can, I've got my spiritual connection to get me through anything and everything. It was the hardest lesson I've ever had to make in trust and I think giving up control, but in such a different way. This time it wasn't spiritually, it was, I had to give it up to this medicine to really help me. And I look back now and it was, I had to make that decision because I look at all of the somatic therapy that I've done this last year. And I, I really don't think I could have touched into those really, really deep places if I hadn't been able to bring myself to a baseline that the medicine was able to do for me. You know, I, I say this, I mean, it's so nice just to even be able to reflect on it. It, it. It's bringing up lots of different feels, but I say it because there is this stigma, especially with antidepressants. And I, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. I upheld that stigma. I used to be that person that said, oh, you can power through it. Oh, you don't need the medicine. Oh, you don't. And I say that now, not in like, it's a bit embarrassing because although I know now, like I couldn't have done any differently until I fully experienced it myself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there is this stigma and I had to work. I remember talking to you about this lots. Like I really had to work through some deeper beliefs and also this need inside me of like being this powerhouse or being this strong, connected person when it's like, I could still be that, but also receive help. Yeah. I think that's such a good point to drive home to listeners that this episode is not about you grinning and bearing it. Like that mm. is what medicine is for. Thank you for sharing your story. I think again, like why we do this and why we're vulnerable is so that people can really see themselves in our stories and it can really impact them so that they can take the lessons we've learned and implement them into their own lives. There's two things that you mentioned that I wanted to expand on. One, you mentioned this shame that you felt, um, you know, and, and possibly it was a bit of shame around having to possibly go on medication. The second piece that you talk about, which I think is so pertinent to listeners, is this shame around an experience or a trauma or something in life actually taking you out actually mm -hmm. having to feel into it, actually having to be like an in quotations victim to it. It seems like you fought for a long time to sort of uphold the persona you thought you had to. And I wonder if actually that was maybe more of where that shame was coming from because the moment we have to say, oh, now I need medical help for this. It's like, oh, it really did impact me because so much of us, we want to act like we're just covered in armor and things just bounce off of us. And I don't care. It didn't really in impact me. It's not a big deal. I'm strong. I'm a warrior, et cetera, et cetera. I think men, especially, but especially someone like yourself who used to be more in their masculine energy, I could see how that piece of shame would really dictate your decisions at that time. Would you say that that's true? Oh, 100%. And, and hearing you say that piece, it, it takes me back to 
my journey this last year, which has been all about learning how to tap into that soft and tender feminine inside of me that's Mm -hmm. able to receive, Mm -hmm. that's able to receive, like fully receive love and support and being cared for. And I think this was actually the point that I stepped onto that new path Mm -hmm. of like, I had to learn how to receive it from the medication. I had to learn how to receive it from my somatic therapist Mm -hmm. and like all these other pieces that have unfolded in this last year where I've learned how to receive this help and this support and not like grit and bear it. Like I've done my whole life. I think it's such an important lesson lesson because you can grin and bear it for a period of time. And I, (laughs) I literally used to do this, Mm. but it will come. (laughs) There will come a day where it'll either take you out by the knees uh, and you'll be at the mercy of it. And I think we don't prioritize our health or get the help we need until we have no other option. Mm. And I guess that's a good lesson from your story. There is seek the help because if not, it'll be at a point where maybe sometimes it's too late or sometimes it's so crippling that you would have wished that you did it sooner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I do want to add as a final piece to this for my story is, you know, I've talked about my doctor a, a few times and, and I do really love him and I know that he has the best intentions. Do I think he really sides with the medical system? Yes, I do. But I, but he's, he's, I can, like, I've worked with him long enough to know that he really does have the best intentions. And during that time when I was making the hard decision to get on the antidepressants, I sat with him and he was like, listen, he's like, Christina, look at all of the things that you are doing in your life on a holistic level where you are supporting yourself. You do the meditations, you support yourself physically you try your best with your nutrition you take your vitamins you do all of this mental work and this inner healing he's like and sometimes it's not enough Mm. and that was a really important conversation for me to have because yeah I think that sometimes we do in these in these circumstances have to you know make, make that decision to allow the medicine in whatever way to help us. Well, I think that's just the difference though, in your story is, you know, we've talked at length that you're on the medication right now mm-hmm. and who knows how long you will be, but that's, you haven't just, you know, raised the white flag and said, okay, well, that's it and drop everything else. Cause it seems to be working. Mm-hmm. You're continuing to push forward on your journey. You're continuing to do more holistic things to support your body mentally, physically. And I know like in the future, it'll be something that you try to come off of it. And, you know, like who knows where that will lead you down or what road. Right. But The other piece that you brought up was the stigmatism piece. And I love that you had that conversation with your doctor because I think that was probably the moment you felt permission. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny. Again, our journeys being opposite, but so similar where you suffered from this like mental health condition, whereas I suffered from this physical bodily condition Mm -hmm. and there's stigmatism around you taking medication (laughs) and there is full support for me yeah it'd be like someone having cancer like you're getting chemotherapy right like everyone is there with a banner like they're driving you you're to your appointments so just something i wanted to highlight because there is a piece and people who have never dealt with mental health like 
you know, I don't think we quite understand the stigmatism, the pressure, how that muddies the water for you when you're making those decisions. Yeah. I love that you brought this up because in that same conversation, it just reminded me, he also said, what did he say? You know, somebody with a chronic health condition would take the medicine because that's Mm -hmm. what it's there for. And yet we question Mm -hmm. taking this medicine for our mental health. He literally said this to me in the conversation. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But it's just, it's just so interesting to me. And I don't know why we have that stigma. Maybe it has to do with this sort of like, I need to do it all on my own or. I don't think we've legitimized that mental health is a real condition, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know, we, we can't see it. We can't feel it. There's no recipe for how it's going to get fixed. So it's very much intangible. I think that's honestly, because I used to have the same mindset, but what I love about your story is that you realized you needed the medication to bring you to baseline. And again, I want to preface this episode. We are not saying no to medication, but there is a time and a place and it has to be supported with other things. And I think when someone is either, whether that's so dysregulated or having, you know, panic attacks or like a full, you know, chronic physical ailment that they can't get out of bed because of the medication is amazing. It will bring you to baseline. And like you said, so that then you could explore things like digging into your trauma in somatic therapy. And you would not have been able to do that in a stressed, over-anxious, dysregulated state. And so the medicine has supported you in actually expanding your holistic practices even more, which I think is just so key for people to understand. It's not one or the other, it's both and understanding what your body needs when it needs it. Yeah. And, and this idea that paying attention to what your body is, is speaking to you and when maybe you are ready to get off. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's really what the goal needs to be. And, and maybe this is, it's making me even think of like when doctors are prescribing this, maybe there needs to be a plan of, okay, we're going to get this on you. And then we're going to have these checkups to get you off of it at some point. And that isn't there. That is <laughs> not there. Because healing doesn't make money, Christina. (laughs) Not that, and I'm not saying that doctors are out there to make money. I'm saying that the institutions, the way we are trained, like when you look at who's paying for what, like big pharma is right at the table. And it's, it's, yeah, we we could have a whole nother podcast on that, I'm sure. So let's hear a little bit around your journey because it's looked different, whereas you started on yours and you've been able to come off of your medication. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I've definitely mentioned parts of it in other episodes, but for those who are just listening or need a refresher, uh, when I was 14, uh, I started, well, I should actually say, sorry, prior to that, probably 12, 13 for about two years, um, I suffered with what I didn't know at the time was rheumatoid arthritis. And so randomly one day I woke up and my left knee uh, was like the size of a football. And it was like gushy, like there was like fluid gathered in the joint. And it was like, what the heck? I was limping around. (laughs) Like, what is wrong with me? I had to go to like a doctor who was like, it's called water on the knee. Like, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) I just remember having to go in and they would like drain my knee. It was like literally like tapping a tree for maple syrup. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was quite traumatic to be honest, but like I can laugh about it now. Uh, Where like I was on crutches. I feel like any of my girlfriends who listen would be laughing because in high school I was on crutches like 
eight months out of the year. I had an elevator key given to me from the principal because I always needed it. One time it happened to my elbow and they would literally inject like cortisone, which is like a horse steroid into my joints. And it would, it would work instantly, by the way, like one night it happened to my ankle. I went out that night in heels. Oh my God. <laughs> like I went from not walking to like out on the D floor. Oh my God. Yeah. And so with that, uh, then I went through a really like traumatic uh, experience in my childhood where I estranged from my mom. There was um, like, you know, some major, major abuse situations that happened. And I went and actually lived with my, my dad and my stepmom who are amazing. And shortly after that, I began having a lot of stomach pain every time I would eat, uh, especially in the mornings, I'd be keeled over. We went to countless doctors who said, oh, it's an ulcer. Oh, it's, you know, reflux, it's heartburn. They were prescribing like, just get Tums, get Malox, which, you know, I'm pretty sure on there, like you're not even supposed to take those unless you're an adult. But anyhow, no one asked me once, you know, how, what's her lifestyle like? How she's sleeping? Is she stressed? Has anything occurred? There was no questions of that, which is kind of funny now that I see a naturopath and literally those are all the questions that they ask. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that full on inquiry that they do for like a half an hour about yeah. all the things. The full life. They want to know everything about your life. What are you eating? Who are you hanging out with? How's your yeah. sleep? Like how and and like let's look at your heart rate and everything else. But as yeah. we know, and probably a lot of people have experiences typically right to the physical symptoms, right? And so we went on like that for almost close to nine months to a year. And then one morning I woke up and it was like someone was stabbing me in the abdomen. I could not get out of bed. I had to throw stuff at my dresser so like things would fall off and it would like alert my stepmom downstairs because I like literally couldn't even scream her name. Like it was like for any women listening who have given birth, it would be like the pinch point of labor is what it felt like now that I have gone through that and can compare it. Um, and she came upstairs running. We went to the hospital right away and they did an ultrasound and said, oh, her appendix is about to burst. Okay, so great. Oh gosh. Great, we have appendicitis. So out comes that organ. <laughs> and then I'm stuck in the hospital for um, a couple months because the pain didn't go away after the appendix came out. And so eventually with a lot of sort of arguing with doctors, they sent me to children's um, and then they finally diagnosed me with Crohn's disease. And it was right by where my appendix was, which is why my appendix was inflamed. Needless to say, that was a very like shocking experience in my life as well, being like 14 and hearing, okay, so what the heck is Crohn's disease? It's basically an autoimmune disease where your body, how doctors describe it, is attacking itself, which now I can understand like why they describe it that way, but really it's an, it's a response from our immune system saying like something is not right here. Uh, and basically it results in inflammation all over the body. Um, hence the joints. So the rheumatoid arthritis is like a precursor to that. It's inflammation in the joint, which Crohn's is inflammation in the GI tract. They put me on medication and I went probably 10 years switching different medications all the way to like intravenous medication every eight weeks without fail. Uh, for anyone who has an autoimmune disorder, they know that autoimmune disorders are treated with immunosuppressants. So basically what that means is, oh, your body's attacking itself. So what we'll do is we'll just shut down your immune system so that you aren't feeling the symptoms of your body attacking itself. And so for 
you know, close to 18 years, I was on immunosuppressants. And as much as it did relieve my Crohn's and arthritis symptoms, it also made me get sick all the time. Any cold, flu, bug, I got it. And so eventually I came to this point, especially like on my healing journey, where I thought like, is this really better? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm as sick as I probably would be trying to figure out like and come off this medication. Uh, and so last year I, I made that decision to do that. I will say though, throughout my journey, being a 14 year old, 16 year old, young 20 year old, there were constant conversations with my gastroenterologist and my, my team of doctors. Like there has to be something more I can do. It wasn't that I wanted to be off the medication. It was just like, what else can I do? I, I felt in my body that my body was trying to tell me something something was not right. Um, I felt I was probably too young to understand like what I do now and how my traumatic experiences were literally like the precursor to so much of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and now there's so much research out there that ties Crohn's disease to childhood trauma, to abuse, actually, to be honest, a lot of inflammatory autoimmune diseases, like a Canadian study of over 100,000 people with stress-related disorders, they found that PTSD was linked strongly to stress and autoimmune disorders like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, Crohn's disease, celiac disease. It's the research now, Gabor Mate is a huge founder of all of that as well. It is almost shocking what's out there. And not once had I ever been asked that, heard about that, nothing. And so I think it was just like really disheartening for me throughout my journey that like no matter what medical professional I saw, they would just say, nope, uh, yeah, we want you to be able to eat whatever you want. So if it's not working, uh, we'll just up the dosage or put you on another medication as well. And you should be able to eat ice cream, sugary foods, high fat foods, whatever you want. And so like I've always tried to like come up with holistic uh, pieces to it but really it wasn't until this year when I really made the decision like I'm fully going off uh, and then just more recently in this last month I had a bit of a flare-up um, due to stress that I've really kicked my I would I guess like self-responsibility of my health into into full gear and I know we'll we'll get to that but in a nutshell that's the synopsis of like 18 years of suffering from an autoimmune disease yeah and I want to touch on a couple of things there because I mean, first and foremost, I, I'm, I'm holding little tests with like <laughs> a full, a full arm, like a big hug, you know, because I can't even imagine at that age at 14, like number one, not having any idea what's going on with your body, but having to go to all these different appointments and all of these adults kind of telling you, well, this is just the way it is. But then it also had me thinking about your awareness for mm -hmm. you to be like, I don't think at 14, I was like, well, what about my diet? And, and, you know, like, it just seems like you had such a high level of awareness at such a young age mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. something wasn't, something yeah. wasn't aligning for you. Yeah. And like thinking back now and tapping into that, I think it was definitely my intuition, like in my body being like, no, no like it's something else, it's something else. Like I could never put my finger on it. Experiencing what I had up into that point as well. I was, I was very much like hypervigilant and empathetic towards people. Like, again, that's kind of just a trauma response for me. And when you have these, 
you know, very like highly professional people in front of you telling you no, like you can't help but believe that they're right and you're wrong. Mm. Also, like I had this amazing dad and stepmom who were absolutely terrified mm. for me. It's so funny because although like I was suffering, watching them suffer was harder. Yeah, it kind of makes me emotional, I guess, because like there were like countless nights and days where like my stepmom had to like sleep in a chair in the hospital next to me. And, you know, I'm not saying I blame anybody. Like I'm just saying like, all I wanted to do was like get the quick fix. I wanted to end the suffering for myself and for everybody else because it was traumatizing for everybody. Not knowing what was wrong, not knowing what would work, you know, not knowing how many surgeries I would need. Yeah, and they had to suffer through all of it with me. That's a tough piece. I'm just, I'm like sitting in this energy right now. I think it's making me actually feel into being a parent and how hard that that would be. Like just watching your child kind of go through this piece and not, and not have any idea of like what's really going on or what do we do? And, you know, this, this energy of fear, I think it's a really important thing to talk about because fear can play such a big role when it comes to making the decision to take the medicine or to come off of the medicine. It's actually something that I don't know if I fully want to admit to myself of like, I'm, I'm like deathly afraid of coming off the antidepressants <laughs> because of how much they have helped me be at a baseline to just handle life and mm -hmm. all of it and so I I just I don't know I really resonate with this piece here when you're talking about that fear and yeah it's real it's absolutely real um you know and in this last month where you know doing a house reno and there's lots of stress and lots of things um work etc and I let a lot of things slide and all of a sudden, like, it's like my body was ravished with inflammation again. My rheumatoid arthritis came back hot and I had never felt it for like 18 years. I forgot like how debilitating it can be. And when you talk about fear, like, I mean, you received a lot of voice notes during mm -hmm. that time. Like I was very scared, like, oh my God, maybe I made the wrong decision. And all of those things I had heard 18 years ago, like came flooding back, like, see, you have no control. See, all the things you've been doing aren't gonna work. And I tell you what, if someone was sitting there with like an IV bag, I would have been like, stick it in my arm. Like, I don't wanna feel this anymore. But I also realized like, it's not that easy. Like I have to go see my specialist, et cetera. So I decided, you know, to really, really look at my lifestyle and the stress and all the things. And like what you said, I think we should be scared. If we're planning just to come off medication and not do a thing about it, we should be scared because it will come back. And I think the root of disease, yes, it can be a, there can be genetic predisposition for it. But ultimately, I do believe, I strongly do believe it's our environment, it's the lifestyle, it's all the things that we have created. When we compare how we're living now compared to how we used to be living, whether that be 100 years ago, 80 years ago, even 30 years ago, for heaven's sakes, like, it's different. 
We are go, 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 high stress, high cortisol, high inflammation. People are not connecting outdoors. Like it, it, it's crazy. When you really start breaking things down, like no wonder dis-ease is so prevalent in our bodies, whether that be on a mental health level or a physical health level. No, no other two things have been more on the rise, whether that's autoimmune diseases or mental illness, whether that be depression, anxiety, et cetera. It is skyrocketing, yet we have all the pharmaceuticals we could have ever dreamed of. We have all this research and literally we have not nudged the numbers or the trajectory down whatsoever. So tell me why we are continuing to only think that that is the only solution. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that we're talking about this and it does take me back to when you were sending me those voice notes. And this is one of the reasons why I cherish our relationship so much is because we can be those really important mirrors for each other. And I remember just seeing so clearly how much stress you were moving through mm -hmm. and how necessary it was for you to really stop and, and listen to your body. All of us, like not just you, all of us, like I'm, I'm the same way. I've been moving through a really big piece this week. And it's like, why are we so quick to just disregard what our body is speaking to us? Like mm -hmm. this is, it, it's always communicating to us what's going on. And I love that you said that piece around. Yes. Okay. So we've got this nature nurture debate of like the nature is that we will have these genetic predispositions, but, and this is Gabor Mate's work too, which is so great is like, but actually it's, it's the nurture, it's the environment that will trigger this and bring it out in us. And yeah, I don't know, just something about what you said there. It's just really got me thinking that these things are always going to be within us. And, and I don't think it's actually trying to heal ourselves, quote unquote, completely through them. It's learning how to support ourselves with whatever that is. Like I'm always going to have my intrusive thoughts as a symptom of when I am moving through something like that is just the way I, it expresses it like that mm -hmm. dis-ease expresses through me. Mm -hmm. And so can we start to look at these things as indicators? Yeah. <laughs> indicators like, like red flag. <laughs> Here, here's a really, really like, let's dumb this down for a hot second. I feel like everyone loves a good house plant these days, especially the women listening. I'm sure half of them, their living rooms are full of green, snake plants and fiddle leaves and all husbands are like, oh my God, not another plant. Okay. So when you walk wait, in, ex except <laughs> yeah. mine, because I kill all my plants. <laughs> okay. Do you blame the plant or do you blame yourself? Well, I definitely blame me, but Okay. No, this is good. This is feeding into my analogy. When you look at your plant and it's looking kind of wilty and sad, do you think, yeah, that plant was destined to die or that oh plant, that I'm just being serious or that plant, it was destined for root rot. No, you think, oh my God, I forgot to water it. Oh my God. It doesn't have enough natural sunlight and you move the plant, you change its environment. You begin misting the leaves. You begin like setting reminders in your phone to water the thing, right? Or you add some fertilizer to it. You change the environment because the plant will thrive in the right environment. And we have to begin thinking of our bodies in the same way. Again, mm -hmm. I am a proponent of medicine when it's needed and for 
a certain period of time. And hey, if you want to be on it your whole life, great. But if I, if you're my friend and I'm like, are you exercising? Are you doing this? Are you doing everything? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you don't have my sympathy card. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Because like, it's true. It, our environment does impact the things you put in your mouth impact you. Right. Yeah. The, the things you put in your mouth, the people you surround yourself with, the environments you hang out in, the yes. sleep you get, like all of it. And, 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 yeah, to, just to add to that piece, somatic work, I talk about it a lot. It's something that I'm very passionate about because it's it's allowed me to experience so much deeper healing. But it's also taught me how to attune to my body. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm also not against medication. I'm on it. And I wouldn't have been able to attune to my body if I hadn't gone on the antidepressants because I would have stayed in this heightened state of fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, maybe this can be a bit of a segue into, okay, so you see your body's communicating to you. You can recognize that it needs something. What do you do? Dun, and dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. I've talked about, and I'm going to kind of talk about somatic work a little bit here. I've talked about it lots, but I think first and foremost, it's slowing the F down (laughs) and connecting within yourself and just even starting to get curious, like what is showing up here? Where in my body is it showing up? What does that feel like? Is it pain? Is it pressure? Is it tingly is it maybe it's in your head what are the thoughts like just really starting to get curious with what's showing up in your body because our bodies are are going to speak to us quietly and then they're going to start to nudge us a little bit and then they're going to start to scream when we're not Mm -hmm. listening and Mm -hmm. this is where the real disease starts to happen I love that because honestly, you can't be aware of the nudges or anything your body's telling you if you're not connected to your body. And Mm -hmm. somatic therapy has helped me, you know, expand that muscle into dropping into my body. What am I feeling? Like so many people go all day long without actually like sitting and just like taking a breath and like feeling what muscles are tense. Like it's just like, go, 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 grab the kids, get to work, do the emails, do the meetings, get home, make the dinner. And then, you know, like that moment. And I feel like all listeners will resonate. You sit on the couch that what that first moment and you're like, Oh my God, my body hurts. Your body's Mm -hmm. been hurting all day. Like when you've pushed yourself too far, you just haven't tapped into it. Right. Mm -hmm. And somatic therapy begins to like, open that window a bit and actually tuning in. And then you find that you do it throughout the day and you can actually respond then Mm. to the little, oh, that doesn't feel good. Or, oh my God, I'm actually starving. I didn't even notice. Yes. Yeah. It's got me thinking about how I'll go and see my somatic therapist. And the first thing she'll say, and actually now I'm ready for it. And I'm kind of like prepped because I'll sit and I'll just before I start talking, because I like to be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll just take a deep breath and she'll be like, okay, what are you noticing? Mm-hmm. And it's just like a, oh yeah, like, like we don't let ourselves arrive. We don't ever let ourselves like just inhale and exhale. Mm-hmm. And then- um, 
our somatic therapist, I'll say ours because we both have the same one. She taught yeah. me a really good practice because I was probably worse at this than you. But for anyone listening, she took like little mini circle stickers. So I don't know, buy any sticker you want and randomly put them around your house, like in places that maybe you gaze at. Maybe it's like by the kitchen sink. Maybe it's on the door, on the inside of the door before you leave for the day. And any time in the day you see the sticker, take a deep breath. What are you feeling in your body? What sounds are you hearing in your environment? And like, where are you feeling like any tension? And it's a reminder again to constantly be building that muscle of like tuning into your body because although we carry it around with us all day, mm -hmm. we literally are disconnected. We are in our heads 99.9% of the day yeah. until we're not. And that's because we're getting a large like two by four to the face from our body. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I will say too, like, yeah, the somatic work has just been so great in terms of, you know, when you can start to learn how to tune to your body, not only do you notice things show up a lot sooner, and I, I would be willing to bet this is why you were able to catch this quicker than letting it get to this point where you, you like, for instance, for me, where I had to get on the meds, I was so far down that path that like that I had to get do something to bring me back. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think it also becomes so much easier to then discern what is right or wrong for you, you know, and it's funny, I, I'm just thinking about my experiences with the dating world and <laughs> there'll be lots of information to come on that. But just for the first time being in this space where I'm so aware of my body and how things are feeling and just remembering to breathe and tap into what feels right and if something doesn't exploring it and getting curious like it's just it's just very interesting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in that same vein I think you know somatic healing like for you it's also like allowed me to connect to my body but in doing that and you know we've obviously talked before about you know your earlier experiences and what and you know what you've gone through and how that might be impacting your present life or your future life i always say you know what we repress our body will express and mm -hmm. so now in just doing so much research honestly on this topic of autoimmune and its links to you know um what are aces what are those called something childhood experiences what's the a though I don't know. I've never basically it's like traumatic experiences, whether that's like PTSD, doesn't have to be abuse, it could be whatever it is. But basically it puts our body into, you know, into sympathetic nervous system overdrive, or if we are chronically stressed as kids or adults. Um, basically when stress comes, it increases inflammation in the body, our body releases cortisol, but if you're in a constant state of stress, so whether that's like a bad environment as a child or something like that, your body begins to become immune to the cortisol and it doesn't, it no longer works. And so then the inflammation increases in your body and we get stuck there. And so I've also really found that whether and there's so many modalities to do this, whether it's talking to a therapist, doing some of the inner work we've talked about on other podcast episodes, but really excavating through your earlier experiences to see, is there something unfinished here? Is there something mm -hmm. I'm still carrying around with me in my subconscious brain that I don't even realize I'm actually still emotionally holding on to because our body it can be stressed by that. It's a weight, you know, figuratively that we're carrying. And so I've found that 
along my healing journey, if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't have been able to come off the medication because I would have, those parts of me were still stuck trying to like, you know, end the story. And they were looping on all the things I had experienced in my, in my earlier childhood. And so being able to go in, it doesn't change what happened to me, but it allowed me to finally finish the cycle of processing it, grieving it, letting it go. When we don't do that, when we repress it, it gets stuck in our body and it gets expressed in other ways, whether that be through mental health conditions, physical ailments, et cetera. So that's just another one to add to, to the list of things you could try and explore. And um, again, if you're, if you're open to, and you've kind of had enough of whatever you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say that that's, you know, in, in speaking to that inflammation piece, when you are able to work through those things and create that flow within your body, you bring yourself to a new baseline where maybe mm-hmm. the medication would have been that baseline, but now you're able to do that naturally for yourself. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So we've talked about some different things here, somatic work, creating flow in your body. Let's take a minute just to, to finish up by talking about diet and lifestyle, because I've noticed a big change here for you, especially, you know, you've been really cleaning all of this up and, and looking at what you've been eating. I mean, I'm going to be honest, this is always the place where I wish I could do better. And so it's been inspiring to see you do this Mm. because it's really got me thinking about my own. And for me, it's not necessarily that I don't eat healthy. I think I do a pretty good job eating healthy and like getting in all the good stuff. It's that I don't plan my food that well. And sometimes I'll like be crashing and I grab for the quickest thing. Mm-hmm. That's what's not always, um, you know, that's what's not always the best thing for me. But what have you found that's been really helping you with this piece? Yeah. And, um, you know, I mentioned that if this last month I had this huge flare up and again, waiting to see a doctor, literally I'm running off to a doctor's appointment here pretty soon, but, um, you know, I had to like, I had to figure something out. And so I will say sometimes like the rock bottom of our health or some big flare up in our mental health, physical health, that is sometimes the motivation we need because I was, you know, pretty healthy in my eating and my diet but nothing sent me into cleaning it up like this last flare up did because I was like, okay, at least this is something I can control what I'm putting in my body. And if my body is riddled with inflammation right now, how can I get that down? And so it's very much like an anti-inflammatory diet, but honestly, I think all of these rules are good for anyone, whether you actually have a diagnosis of something. So basically I eliminated refined sugar almost completely. Like I'm sure there's still bits of it in things I eat. Um, But basically going to whole foods. So like I'm not eating stuff in a package, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. unless it's like organic, you know, all the things it has like less than 10 ingredients. So I would encourage anyone if you're reaching for a box or a package of something, read the ingredients list. And if there are things on there that you cannot pronounce one that should be a red flag. Number two, and I gave this analogy to Christina the other day. So I'll say it now. But especially as parents, I want you to pretend that your children are sitting across the kitchen table from you and each of those ingredients you can't pronounce, whether it's like benzyl chlorate or red dye 30, I want you to imagine those in little jars or little bowls and you have a spoon in each one and you're now gonna give your child a little spoon mm, of each of oh, those. That makes you feel sick to my stomach. Like when we talked about this, it was like, mm-hmm. And it's not to like be like shaming, but like that should scare us a little bit. And I want you to remember like 
your body is just as important. You wouldn't do like, you know, and yeah, do my kids still eat goldfish? Yeah, they do. Are there some of those things in there? Yeah, there there are. But I am more conscious about what I give them. And this yeah. whole society of packaged processed foods, it is killing us. It is creating dis-ease in our bodies. Our bodies were not meant to process those things. Do they taste good? Yeah, sure. Do they keep things lasting longer? Yeah, they do. Are they good for us? No, they're not. Um, and so eliminating a little, a little louder for the people at the back, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, just remember that analogy next time you go to eat something you shouldn't be. Um, I, I, I have been remembering it and I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> uh, gluten is another one. Like I know yeah. you're, you know, gluten-free, but gluten and really just like the baked stuff. I mean, it's great once in a while who doesn't love a good scone or like a fresh piece of toast, but if it is like a main staple of your diet, it's too much. And the reason that you're bloating or getting all that stuff is because you're adding too much of it to your diet, right? Uh, vegetable oils, I feel like most people know like avocado oil is good, coconut oil is good, but if you're using Crisco still, girl, check yourself, okay? God. All like the palm oils, all of that stuff, it's literally made from, I think like oil products. It's not even vegetable. Like, like car oil. Yeah, like petroleum I'm just, products. I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just thinking about how many times we, we made popcorn with Crisco when we were kids. Oh my God. <laughs> right? And yeah. you know, like we didn't know any better. Like this was like, wow, look how modern everything's becoming. It's becoming so convenient. But that also fed our lifestyle of like in overdrive, in yep. constant go, go, go. And just so you know, like it is really hard to meal prep, Christina. It is really hard to cook whole foods. And so something has to give in your life. If you want your diet to be dialed in, like if, yeah, half a day once a week is for meal prep. If you want to take your health seriously, if you want to have responsibility for it, that means your lifestyle has to shift as well. Mm. You can't be soccer mom, working full time, all the things, running a business, and then just like hoping somehow you pull together like your diet, right? Yep. Um, so, and then veggies, veggies have all the minerals and people love to focus on fruit because fruit's sugary and it's exciting. And that's good too. That has all the vitamins, but vegetables are the minerals that detoxify our bodies that actually give us nutrients. You might be full, but I almost guarantee you're malnourished. Okay. Mm. So really check like what you're putting in your mouth. What is it actually giving you? Like what value is your body getting out of what you're putting in? Because if it's a piece of white bread or whatever, like it's not much. I'm not saying that I won't eat it, but I'm just saying like you're not fueling your body. Yeah. And next we're going to do an episode on my children's picky eating and how I'm going to figure out how to get them all these minerals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me know when you figure that out. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, this is good though. It's, it's, I think that this, this is a really helpful episode because we cover a lot of different pieces and you know I really hope that if you're listening to this and this is the first time you're kind of tuning into your body I mean that's amazing in itself or maybe this is just a bit of a reminder to mm -hmm. to continue to tune in and just see what your body is speaking to you because Frick we don't give our bodies enough credit like they are these beautiful mechanisms that there is this you know, higher intelligence in our bodies. And it's, it's actually doing exactly what it is mm -hmm. supposed to do when we get this quote unquote disease inside of us. I love that you brought that up because 
even throughout my journey, which feels like so long, I, I've always carried like this anger and resentment towards my body or my genetics, mm. maybe like, why did I get this? Uh, and, and now like going through even this last flare up that I did, I just have so much appreciation and compassion for my body that it has shown up. It has responded to the medications that were given to me, that it responded to my change in diet and lifestyle in the last month, that it has been there through all of it. It's absorbed all the environmental shocks that I have been through or subjected to in my life. And like, I have so much to thank for it, but also, I now like need to really take care of it, yeah. right? For the job that it's done. And so, yeah, think of it like that. Like your body's like a whole nother like part of you that deserves love and attention. And we can't just like put it bottom on the priority list. Yes, preach. Woo. <laughs> well, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you need to get a hold of Tess or I, you can reach us on social media. For Tess, you can reach her at her unearthed and for christina you can reach me at christina.soulempowered we hope that you guys have a great day and we'll talk to you soon bye bye bye